does square uh, with some of our intelligence agencies who believe that this may have been a narco move on the president uh, to try and get something that he wasn't giving them. Confidential informants, obviously, they're coming out of that world. We'll keep digging on it. Anderson, always a pleasure. Happy Monday. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Let's start the week by clearing up some confusion, shall we? First, we have Fauci. He's just out of the Biden administration's new briefing. So what is the deal with boosters? And how did we create more confusion where there should be none? How real is the variant for this fall? And on what basis of proof? And this new vaccine alert for the J&J vaccine, the FDA putting a warning that that single shot vaccine could raise the risk of a rare nerve complication. Then you look into it and everybody says, oh, but it's this Guillain-Barre, it's very rare. Then why put the warning? We'll get the straight talk from him. The investigating along with the CDC matters. But the government still stresses it is better to get vaccinated than to get COVID. So you see, it all confuses you. Be worried. Don't be worried. We need straight talk. We already know the biggest concern when it comes to COVID sickness, a lack of vaccinations. That's what's happening here. Less than half the country is fully vaccinated. We knew that's why they were talking about herd immunity. It's a little bit of a magical number, 70 percent. It doesn't really exist that way as a metric that you can nail to a specific number. But when you don't have a fully vaccinated population, the pace is going to grow. So vaccinations, the pace has dropped, right? The peak was in April. It's down 84% since then, 84%. So what are cases doing? They're climbing, averaging nearly 20,000 a day, 47% increase from last week, 47% from last week. Why? These are gone. Why do you know so many people were getting sinus infections? Oh, how does he know? Yeah, because I got one. And everybody around us, why? We don't have masks anymore. We're in close contact. We're getting back to life. We're going to get sick. COVID's going to keep spreading. This is what you've said is okay. So 36 states are trending in the wrong direction. Most of these cases are attributed to the variant. The vaccine is said to be effective against it. How do they know and how much? Now, here's our big problem. And the biggest part of the problem is something we absolutely know already. There is no unknown. America is the only country that I know of where you can get the vaccine if you want it, but people are choosing not to. And they're doing so, not out of legitimate fear, but for bogus political reason. And if there is any doubt that what I'm saying is true, here's the proof. Now they're starting to talk about going door to door to be able to take vaccines to the people. They could then go door to door, take your guns. They again go door to door, take your Bible. Don't come knocking on my door with your Fauci outie. You leave us the hell alone. The government was hoping that they could sort of sucker 90% of the population into getting vaccinated. And it, and, and it, and it isn't happening, right? There, there's a younger people are. Now you hear the cheers, right? If this isn't mindless political resistance, then help me understand this. They cheer for the United States falling short of his vaccine goal. That's what that guy was talking about. Okay. Then, (laughs) then this is what happens. Then Trump comes on and starts bragging about creating the vaccine, the thing that they are against and we're just cheering, and this happens. We produced three vaccines to end the pandemic in record time. And if we didn't have that, we would be, we would be in a position like 
perhaps over 100 years ago. They were cheering. I don't know. It was a lousy edit. My point is this. They cheer Trump saying, hey, I got you the vaccine. Thank me because we'd be in really rough shape without it. By the way, true. By the way, true. He did push it. He did push the funding. He did tell them, just do it. I don't want to hear why you can't do it. That's all good. He gave you the vaccine. That's good. But now you also think at the same time that it's good that you're not taking it to thwart the government trying to have a hand in your life. This doesn't make any sense because it's not about reason. It's about animus. It's about resentment. Shame on Trump for not being the biggest booster of the vaccine he wants all the credit for. Warp speed was his only move to help. He was banking on it and the vaccine. Why did he do so little to promote it? He got it, kind of kept it quiet from you when he did. Why? His family got it. Why didn't he care enough to sell the legitimate need as much as all the illegitimate crap he sold them? I still don't understand that. For all the BS he did, that has never made sense. So let's go from the, fr- the problem to finding solutions to problems. Let's bring in a man who is still in the game, Dr. Anthony Fauci, chief medical advisor to President Biden. It's good to have you back. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. So, doctor, you just came out of the meeting. Uh, first things first, the booster. Uh, my understanding is nothing has changed. This is about how Pfizer ex- is explaining its own uh, phase three look at its own data. Tell the audience, what's the deal with the booster after this meeting you just left? Well, I think you said it correctly, Chris. There's nothing has really changed. Uh, this was a courtesy briefing on the part of Pfizer because they had come out a couple of days ago talking about data that they had from the Israeli study and the fact that they thought that we would need a booster. Uh, the CDC and the FDA said that based on the data that we know right now, we don't need a booster. That doesn't mean that that won't change. And the, we, might, we might need, as a matter of fact, at some time to give boosters either across the board or to certain select groups, such as the elderly or those with underlying conditions. So let's we don't deal, know that now. Let's deal with what the, the fact meeting, basis. What the meeting was. Let's deal with the fact basis. Tell us for the meeting, help us understand why we don't need it if they do need it in Israel. And Pfizer agrees that they need it in Israel. What's the difference? Well, well, the difference is, Chris, you're dealing with one small bit of data, which is an important piece of a much larger study, a much larger puzzle. The CDC themselves are following over 20 cohorts of people asking the exact same question. And when you want to have what would be a recommendation a guideline from a regulatory organization like the CDC, together with a, uh, I mean, a public health organization like the CDC and a regulatory uh, agency like the FDA, you're going to have to get considerable amount of clinical trial, clinical data proof. And we will get that. And when we get that, then recommendations will be made. I think it was a very good meeting today. We heard their data. We made it very clear that their data is a part of a much larger puzzle. And we will be gathering data as the weeks go by. And if in fact there's a decision, if and when to give boosters, then we'll hear about it. But it will be based on a comprehensive study, not on the announcement from a pharmaceutical company. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way because it was a very good meeting. 
very informative. We exchanged information, and I think it's an important step in the right direction. What does Israel have wrong? I don't think Israel necessarily has anything wrong, Chris, just because they're looking at data that they had in their cohort where it looks like they've had a diminution. We need to look at the entire picture before you make a policy change for the United States. Having said that, it may well be that when you look at all the data, that the recommendation will be that we will have to give a booster. But based on the data that we have now, the totality of the data, they're not ready to make that recommendation. So on this issue, you, are, you have a two-front battle. Uh, I understand one of it, and I think it's getting the better of you guys again. The other part we'll discuss afterwards. The first part is messaging. They're coming after you about this booster on the right because it's proof the vaccine wasn't as good as you say it is. That's what this is about. Oh, you see, you need a booster. See, this vaccine sucks. I knew it didn't work. And they're forcing it on all of us. And now we need a booster. And then we're going to need another one. They don't know what they're doing. They're not being straight with us. It's messaging. And are you concerned that the narrative is getting away from you? No, well, let me state something pretty clearly, and I think it's a clear message, Chris. First of all, the vaccine is extraordinarily effective in real-world effectiveness. 99.5% of all the people who have died from COVID were unvaccinated. Only 0.5% of the people who were vaccinated died from COVID. The vaccinations and the vaccine work spectacularly well. What we're talking about is not necessarily how good they are because they are unquestionably terrific. It's the durability of the response that's in question, which is a perfectly reasonable thing when you're dealing with a vaccine. You don't know how long that extraordinarily high degree of protection is going to last. And that's what we're talking about. The idea to say, if you might ultimately need a booster, that the vaccine isn't any good Mm. is like apples and oranges. It doesn't have one thing to do with the other. It's an excellent vaccine that may need a boost for the durability of the response. Okay, so then the other front of the war is, okay, if you're so sure that it's so good and you have all these millions and millions of data points and all these months of watching it, why hasn't it been approved? Because you have a lot of people out there. Yes, you have the political people who are not taking the vaccine because they think that means something about how earnest they are, about how they feel about government, about Trump or whatever. Put them to the side. There are a lot of other people who are saying it hasn't been approved. I don't want to hear about mandates and I'm not giving it to my kids if it's not approved. Why isn't it? Well, that's a good point that you make, because that is the source of some concern and misinformation when people say It's not been approved. That is merely a technical issue with the FDA having to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. They hear the word emergency use and they think, well, maybe we're not so sure about it. Chris, we are positive that this vaccine is extremely effective in the real world. And relatively speaking, when you talk about the risk benefit, it's quite safe. The idea that it hasn't been approved yet is a technicality the way the FDA does business about having to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. But if you look at the data, I would be astounded if this did not get full approval.
but then it still took too long and it creates misgivings. Cross the T's, dot the I's. This is a pandemic. You got it made in record time. You can't get it approved. Let's look at the poll to give some context to it for people. Uh, I know you've seen these uh, numbers, Tony, but just so people understand. Uh, More likely to get COVID vaccine if full FDA approval, 49%. Entered into million dollar lottery, 31%. Mobile clinic came to your neighborhood, 22%. Uh, Look, there's a little bit of wisdom. You you already went with that middle part. A lot of different states are trying to boost people uh, to get them different gimmicks. That's fine. 49%. And then they hear something like, what else I need to get your comment on? Uh, The J&J vaccine. It may make you vulnerable to a rare neurological disorder. Significant enough that they want to put a warning on the shot now. Now, how big a deal is that with people factoring in what to do? Well, You know, Chris, of course, there is a indication of a signal of a rare neurological adverse event associated with the J&J vaccine. That's been looked at. It's been examined. And the judgment will be, of course, it's going to be looked at carefully, that the risk of the disease, when you balance the risk of the disease versus the risk of this very rare adverse event, overwhelmingly favors the fact that you should get the vaccine. You're always going to find some adverse event associated with vaccination. When you vaccinate tens and tens and tens of millions of people, you will find an unusual or a rare event. You've always got to make a decision. Does the benefit of the vaccine outweigh the very, very unusual risk of an adverse event? And thus far with these vaccines, it's always been decided that the benefit of the vaccine outweighs the risk of an adverse event. Dr. Anthony Fauci, I appreciate you asking these questions. I know it's not a pat on the back, but people want to know, and I appreciate you being straight with them. Thank you very much. Uh, Good to be with you, Chris. All right. Dr. Anthony Fauci, thank you. Texas Democrats did something radical tonight. Did you hear about this? They went to D.C. Lawmakers have fled their state in the middle of a special session, risking arrest to block the GOP from pushing through new voting restrictions. Why did they do this? Why did they choose to go where they are? Let's get both sides of this controversy. We have a Democrat who made the run, looking like she's on the lam right now, on the way out. Can't let you know her true location because they may arrest her. And then we're going to have a Republican Texas lawmaker who's back at home on what this means and what happens next. Democrats in Texas say they're exercising their only option to stop a new voter suppression bill. They left the state. Most of them are in D.C. They landed about an hour ago. Why did they walk out? Well, a quorum. So Texas and the state legislature doesn't have enough attendance for there to be a vote. So let's get after it with representatives from both parties tonight, because the issue matters. This is about how voting rights are being handled at the state level. We're going to begin with Democratic State Rep Claudia Ordaz Perez, who just landed near Washington. Look at you out on the street, on the run. (laughs) What this is about. on, On the run. We literally just landed about an hour ago. We're here. We're ready to work. We're ready to fight. Um, it's been it's been a long session. And you, as you know, the governor called 
another special session, but there's nothing special about it. It's a voter suppression session is what we're calling it. So let's uh, do this. Deal with the criticism and then you tell me how you think it's constructive. The criticism is you want to get to work, go back to Texas. Uh, This is a publicity stunt. You ran to D.C. because you can't do the job back home. Absolutely not. We're using the tools that we have in our toolbox to ensure that we're going to protect the rights of not only Texans, but Americans for their right to vote, their freedom to vote. Um, This is happening all over the country. This isn't just happening in Texas. Uh, The Trump administration was not happy with the results. So you're seeing states from all across the country that are taking these drastic measures and trying to suppress the vote. So we're here. We're here to really lobby our our Democrat colleagues, our Republican colleagues um, here in Congress, the Biden administration, that we need help. We can't do this alone. This is the second time we've done this. As you mentioned, we're risking arrest. Um, We're risking a whole lot to be here. But we all know we've come unified that this is that important. What are you hoping to achieve in Washington, D.C.? And are you really going to stay there for the month until they finish their session? Whatever it takes, Chris. We're here. We're here to fight. We're here to work. Like I said, we use all the tools that we could. We fought. You know, it was it was it was a depressing session. We worked so hard to even get amendments on the bill to not make it a a, it it was a bad bill. Um, And it was still we still worked so hard to get these amendments to make it somewhat tolerable, but it was still a bad bill. And all of those were stripped and they just rammed this through. It was a 24 hour hearing. Um, There were four over 400 people testified against this harmful piece of legislation and they just rammed it through. There's just no other choice but for us to be here to fight. And we're hoping and we're urging our colleagues in Congress to join us in that fight. I'll take on the problems uh, with what they're doing in Texas with the Republican in a second. But there is an interesting help me understand the mind of the Democrat here on this level. You're going to Washington to basically tell the Democrats in the Senate, listen, forget the filibuster. you got to blow it up and pass this because it's too important. And yet you're kind of availing yourself of the same remedy on the state level. You're a minority and you are gumming up the works because you are afraid of what will happen if you go there and the votes predominate. So aren't you asking on the federal level for them to take away the exact kind of tool that you are using right now to stop something from happening in Texas? I mean, what options are we left with here? I mean, we're, we're you know, there's, there's folks that are upset, you know, that, that, we, that we left. They, they quote unquote say that we're abandoning our, our, our ships and we're, we're actually doing the opposite. I mean, we're, we're exhausted. It was, like I said, a terrible, terrible session. But we know that the power really rests at the end of the day uh, with, with this administration with Congress to help us, we shouldn't have a piecemeal uh, system with different voting legislation. It should be across the board, and we need that help. State Representative Claudia Ordaz Perez, uh, I don't want you to stay in one place too long. That's how they find you. No, I'm kidding. I appreciate (laughs) what you're doing. I understand the stakes. I got, you know, I'm going to ask you the questions about the tactics because I'm not crazy about it, but I understand what's behind it, and we'll see how it turns out. Thank you and good luck. Now let's switch to the other side of this. The Republicans, they got the votes, okay, because they had an election, they're in the majority, and they will make the rules. But why do they need to make these rules, especially after an election that GOP officials called smooth and secure? That's the quote. 
Republican James White is a Texas state representative. Good to have you, sir. Thank you for having me, Chris. Great to be on with you this evening. Democrats had to run away because it is their only way to stop you from restricting the rights of people to vote in Texas. Do you accept the criticism that those are the stakes? No, I do not accept that criticism. And first, let me just say, uh, I don't want to cast any uh, unnecessary aspersions or assertions on my Democrat colleagues. Um, We have not gaveled in yet, so we do not know if we will have a quorum or not. Uh, I'm hearing these reports in the media. Uh, I guess we'll see tomorrow morning when we gavel in what's really the case. Well, the numbers are either there or not. I mean, obviously, if you have the numbers, great. You have the quorum, you go forward. This is where the story stands tonight. Let's get to the substance of it. The governor came forward and said, look, we don't know about any fraud in this state. Uh, We've, you know, the elections happened. We've heard some concerns, but I have no reason to believe anything went wrong. He never offered any proof subsequent to that. But now you guys believe the most pressing concern is for you to make it harder to vote. What are you fixing? Yes. Yes. Thank you for that, Chris. Look, I've been in the legislature now six sessions. Uh, Roughly 200 or so bills are filed uh, every session in the elections uh, uh, committee. And they have addressed issues like fraud, mail balloting, uh, ballot harvesting, making sure that our veterans in combat zones have the access to the ballot. So these bills are filed every session on these issues. Mm-hmm. And I really don't see any difference in, in, in what we're doing this session. Well, here's a couple of differences. Uh, everything okay. you just named there about access and expansion. That's not what you're doing with this bill. Most notably, I'll tell you which one bothers me. We'll just limit it to that for time. Why would you ever reduce the legal standard for state officials to overturn an election? Why would you go from clear and convincing to preponderance? You know, look, for most people, that doesn't matter. But why would you lower the level? Why make it easier? Yeah, thank you for that question, uh, Chris. Uh, That was probably some language in an earlier version of the bill during the regular session. Right now, we're in the special session. Mm -hmm. And I sit on the House Committee on Constitutional Rights and Remedies that heard this bill for 24 hours over the last weekend. Mm -hmm. That language is not in this bill. Let me tell you some of the language. So you you took it out. Yes, that language is not in this in this version of the bill. The, the, The bill that I'm reading in some instances, actually increases hours for early voting, actually asks more of our counties to offer more time for folks to early vote. So uh, look, that language was probably in some earlier versions weeks ago, but that language is not in the House. Are you sure? Because I'm being told it's in HB3 and S1. Uh, I, I don't know about SB1. I'm not in the Senate. Maybe that, that's in the Senate. But is it in HB3? That, that is not in HB3. You're sure of that? Line, I, would, I, I am confident of that. All right. Because, you know, that undercuts the whole idea of making voting about people because you're allowing the judiciary, essentially, to take an election. Uh, and we all know uh, that we really don't want politicians or even courts deciding our elections. We want people deciding them. Uh, But even the other things that are in this bill, 
Uh, there is obviously okay. an eye toward making it harder. Uh, bills that would give poll workers uh, access to the ballots. Okay. Prohibits them from being removed for breaking the law. Uh, it increases penalties for any election worker who intentionally or knowingly refuses to accept a poll watcher. You know, the, these are not like the bills that you named originally about giving more access to this, more access to that. It's making it easier to check, easier to chill, you know, and easier to question the count. Those are not expansive, Representative Arthur. Could, could, could I address those? Could please, I address sir. those? Please, last word to you. Yes, sir. Chris, poll watchers have been in our election code for some time. The language that you're saying is, is that the election judge has to be able to see the election judge or one of the election workers has to be able to see the illegal action by the poll watcher in order to remove the have the poll watcher removed. Also in the bill, there's express language that directs the election judge to call law enforcement if they see the need to remove a poll watcher. And poll watchers, their role is very, very narrow uh, at the polling place as well. They're only there to watch. They're not there to get in the way of the voter, to interfere with the voter. That's in statute now. I understand it. I'm just saying the idea that it's expansive, you know, it would ban drive-through voting um, and extended hours during early voting. Harris County, you know, there alone, you had 10, 15,000 votes that were cast at 24-hour locations. Last word to you, and then I got to go. Go ahead. Drive-through voting is not expressly in the statute now. Mm -hmm. Drive-up voting is. For those seniors and folks that are disabled or ill, that's expressly in statute now. 24-hour voting is not expressly in statute now. So what I'm talking about is the expansion of voting hours from current statute to what's proposed. Right, but it will be less than what was during the pandemic. No, no, no. Well, again, drive-through voting and 24-hour voting is not expressly I know, but they statute. were done. They were done without incident, without any reports of major fraud, and greatly increased participation. That's all I'm saying. Look, let's do this. You haven't even okay. gaveled in yet. You guys gavel in. Let's see what you come up with. You're invited back here to talk about what's in the final papers that's going to be voted on. Okay? I hope so. Thank you very much. God bless no you. No need to hope. It's a given. If I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. State Representative James White, thank you for taking the opportunity. It will be offered again. Thank you, sir. All right, be well. All right, look, we'll keep covering it. Uh, I don't see how it expands. Everything about it. He's right. It's not in the letter of law now. They changed the law because of the pandemic, and it wound up expanding voting. Why would you now want to create a law that does less of what worked? Ask yourself that. Okay, in the middle of what's happening at CPAC. You got Trump who's all in on the big lie, but he did have a moment of truth. Listen. If it's bad, I I say it's fake. (laughs) If it's good, I say that's the most accurate poll perhaps ever. Why doesn't this work for everybody? Honestly, why can't the rest of us admit that we only like what's good for us and we will tell you anything we don't like is fake and wrong and you laugh and enjoy it. 
You know why it works for him? Me either, but we're going to discuss it. Now, if you look at one of the reasons it works for him, it's because he has dedicated outlets that do nothing but won't tell you the bad and emphasize the good. Fox, state TV, hate TV, has to run a disclaimer over part of Trump's speech to counter his lies. You want to know why? I'll tell you next. Trump says there was love in the air on January 6th, that they were peaceful people, great people. It's a lie. And you, Mr. Trump, and your minions will never rewrite history. You will never change the reality. This was the reality, and we will always show it. Trump lying is like my dog having gas. It bothers me every time, but I'm never surprised. And he never lets on that he is the one fouling the air. But here is what is interesting. Fox put this on the screen when Trump was lying in an earlier speech about voting fraud. The voting system companies have denied the various allegations made by President Trump and his counsel regarding the 2020 election. Well, you see, at least they're doing the right thing there, Fox. Moral move. No, 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 no. They're trying to stay out of legal trouble. They're getting sued for reckless disregard of truth, meaning they know that what they're allowing to be spread without being checked and fanned by all their people, they know it's not true. And they can say, you know, at nighttime, it's opinion. You know, it's not news. And they can say in open court, you know, Carlson, he should not be taken seriously. But that's not enough when you keep doing bad things and you know it's wrong. Donnie O'Sullivan is in Dallas talking to people who attended TPAC, Trump PAC. Donnie, what do you hear about what's sinking in? Hey, Chris. Yeah, we spoke to probably about 20 or 30 people here at CPAC, both inside and outside the event this weekend. And look, pretty much everybody believes the election was stolen. They falsely believe the election was stolen. That's a pretty sad thing. They're losing face uh, in American democracy. On the other sort of far end of the uh, conspiracy theory spectrum, uh, there is this conspiracy theory that the Department of Justice is very worried about. This idea that Trump could be reinstated, that in some way the election that was about eight months ago could be overturned. Have a listen to this one woman. What are you hoping to hear from Trump? Uh, that he is going to uh, regain his rightful seat as president. In 2024? No. When? As soon as the election is overturned for the election fraud. Are thinking the wrong so, thing. But you, you also you know, have some people who are thinking about what to do about it if it doesn't happen. And if that takes the shape of violence. What have you heard about that? Absolutely. And I mean, this is the dangerous thing, right? I mean, to be fair, most Trump supporters we spoke to, even though they believe the election was stolen, uh, they don't they haven't bought into this idea that he's going to be reinstated. But for those few people who have bought into that idea, it's very, very real for them. I mean, I spoke to a Trump supporter two weeks ago in Ohio, and he even mentioned this idea that there could be a civil war if Trump was not reinstated. That's exactly the same sort of rhetoric I was hearing. We were hearing in the lead up to January 6th. But a light in, in all of this at CPAC this weekend, I want to play a, a piece of sound for you uh, from one Republican uh, who has a, a grasp on reality. Have a listen. 
So you are, you know, one of the very few people I am likely to meet here this weekend who will tell me that Biden won the election fairly. That's unfortunate. I, I got I to gotta have the evidence. I got to see it. If you tell me you're going to release the Kraken, show me the freaking Kraken for crying out loud. You know, show me the freaking Kraken. Show me, show me a piece of the Kraken. Show me something. And don't tell me to go to Mr. Pillowman's website to get the information. So there you have it. The one guy who's that we met this weekend who, who uh, has a grasp on reality. And look, I mean, we're, I'm, I laugh, but it is a very serious thing. It's a pretty sad thing, Chris. I mean, you know, a lot of folks that we have met, they truly, truly have bought into these conspiracy theories. And they truly believe that American democracy is a joke. And, and they're talking about that they might never uh, trust a, an election again because they bought into this big lie. Chris? I'll tell you what, that guy's living up. Uh, to the ethos of being a biker. You know, you saw that he had that Harley, uh, you know, that <laughs> headband on. And that's what those guys are about, man. They're independent people and you're going to make the case and they're not going to believe anything just because it's said. That is part of the biker culture. Donnie O'Sullivan, the guy's in the wrong place, but he's thinking the right way. Appreciate you. All right. Did you see the rocket show this weekend? Daredevil billionaire Richard Branson went where no space tycoon has gone before. Out of this world on a mission he funded. Do you like it? Is this a good development, a new day for space tourism? Or is it wrong and that money should be spent helping people back down here on Earth? What does someone who once attempted to go to space make of the feat? Lance Bass here. Sure, he was from NSYNC, but he's way beyond that now. And he's going to talk about what this all means. Next. Richard Branson, back from the edge of space. Good thing? Bad thing? No thing. It brings commercial space tourism a step closer to reality. Is that good? 250 grand a seat. That's a pricey privilege. Does it matter? This endeavor has been decades in the making. Space enthusiasts, like my next guest, think it's great. NSYNC member Lance Bass trained for four months in 2002 with the hopes of reaching the International Space Station. He even had a surgery to fix an irregular heartbeat. Here's a flashback. Um, remember him doing this stuff? There he is. Unfortunately, trip fell through. Why? He couldn't raise the $20 million needed. Former NSYNC star Lance Bass joins me right now. It's good to see you, sir. How's it going, Chris? Better than I deserve. Branson going to space. Yeah. Like it, don't like it, mm -hmm. why? Um, I mean, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, there's so many reasons that uh, we should be you know, doing this new space race. Besides the inspiration it gives to millions of people and the innovation that follows, space exploration allows us to prove or disprove scientific theories developed here on Earth. And it also uh, leads to the development of several technologies that feed our economy and improve our lives here on this planet. What do you say uh, to the haters? Oh, this is just opulence run amok. The problems aren't up there. They're down here. Use the money for that. Yeah, well, we can do we can do it both. Right. Uh, we can take care of our problems down here, but also use uh, the space experience to help uh, you know, solve those problems that we have on Earth. That's what we've been doing for decades. So I don't know what is different. I mean, I guess the only thing different about this is it's a private sector, um, you know, trying to build these uh, crafts that are going to be taking, you know, tourists everywhere. I think it's a great thing because one, it helps the economy. Um, and I guess one way that we can really tax our rich. 
<laughs> well, that is, that's an interesting spin. Uh, you get them to put up the money to yeah. fuel the exploration, and then the rest of the society uh, can kind of, you know, get a piece of any of the benefits. So uh, this new wave of opportunity, what does this mean for you? Well, for me personally, I don't know if I'll ever make it into space. I mean, I wish I could. I'm definitely certified and ready to go. Uh, and it was way more than four months of training, by the way. Oh, it was I'm sorry. Correct intense. me. How long was it? Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, it was six months uh, oh, of training. Right. And it was a condensed, you know, it takes years to train, but they condensed it in six months because I had like a little timeline, you know, to be on. But uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, the, the, the training was <laughs> very insane. Um, but I was going, I was going on a mission to the ISS and lived there for seven days and I had experiments and all that. So it's completely different from the space tourism that's going on right now, where it's just a fun roller coaster right, at this point to go up and experience zero G for a couple of minutes. Uh, but I had, uh, I had a few things I, I really wanted to do up there. Uh, let me get your take on something else while I have you. Uh, you came up with Britney Spears. You understand the ups and downs that she's had. We've been covering it on the show, not from a Britney angle as much as a this doesn't make sense angle. Can you help us understand any part of the dynamic? Yeah, I wish I could. Um, we're all in the dark. All of our true friends have been in the dark for quite a while. I definitely uh, believe in the Free Britney movement. Um, I don't subscribe to the Free Britney movement uh, that she's been held captive and. Um, you know, she's trying to give cryptic messages out through her Instagram. Um, I don't know if she needs a conservatorship, but I do know that the dad does not need to be a part of this and she needs to be able to choose who helps control her business and her conservatorship. So we're all looking out for her. We're all trying to help. Um, and hopefully, you know, she'll be free soon. And as far as you know, though, uh, she should be able to pick and run her own affairs. As far as I know, yes, I think she could easily pick the people that will help her with her affairs. She's she's smart enough. She's 40 years old. Let's 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 let her live her life. Lance Bass, I appreciate you giving me a two for here, talking to me about what's happening in space and then the spacey stuff happening down here on Earth as well. Appreciate you, brother. Good luck going forward. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Lance has a new show. It's a reality show called Unicorn Hunters. Where is it? Unicorn Hunters. Dot com. It's also on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook video. We'll be right back. You see what's happening uh, in a little part of the world called Cuba, just 90 plus miles off our shore? Thousands of Cubans took to the streets to protest the lack of food, the lack of medicine, and the lack of freedom. Things are spiraling there. You got the COVID surge that is exacerbating all the pre-existing conditions, no pun intended. These are people who live in a profound state of suffrage. For the past six decades, the government has snuffed out any opposition and really any true sense of freedom for the people who can't buy it. The living conditions were always bad. They've become so dire that people are standing in line for hours to buy what little is available. And now they are willing to rally and protest. And remember, this isn't America. You don't get to go on the streets and question power for free in Cuba. People are chanting for freedom and for Cuban president, Miguel Diaz-Canel, to step down. The violent clashes with police, 
led Biden to express his support for the Cuban people. Listen. The United States stands firmly with the people of Cuba as they assert their universal rights. And we call on the government, government of Cuba, to refrain from violence and our attempts to silence the voice of the people of Cuba. They haven't. The question is, what will this mean for U.S. involvement, if anything? Cuba's president, he doesn't take the blame. He's pointing at the U.S. for the harsh sanctions that the Trump administration imposed and has stayed on under Biden. Cuba's problems begin and end with that president. We'll be right back with the handoff. Thank you for watching. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. D. Lemon on Don Lemon Tonight, right now. Miss me? Show so much. <laughs> so much. I have nothing but great memories whenever we spend time together. Uh, so I know that you missed me during the handoff. Not, I mean, Laura's great, but, you know. There's she, only one handoff. There's brother. only one handoff, right? And we love Laura. Laura, I love you. There's only She's one She's the handoff. upgrade. Yeah, she is an upgrade from me, absolutely. But I do have to say that you didn't see me on TV, but we did get to spend time together. This is us at lunch on Saturday. Do you see that? Like all, all the guys on one side of the table, all the women on the other side of the table. So this is us and uh, my adopted family. These are most of Chris's friends who have now become my friends. Really, really, really great people. Otherwise, they would not be in my life. And, of course, my fiance and my dogs. Okay, so I enjoyed seeing you on my vacation. But I also enjoyed this picture right here because I know my mom's at home going, Hey, where are we? So there's my family at the same restaurant, by the way, on two different days. We just happened to go to the same restaurant. It's our favorite. Uh, should I tell people where it is? Sure. It's in Greenport. Yeah. It's not yeah. like we get a break on the bill. I, mean- <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, it ain't free. All right? We pay for everything we get in that place. And the reason I have it in this order is because you, we have been talking about what's happening with the um, Delta variants and with the vaccine and, and with COVID. And this is a big part of my family discussion about whether they should come here or not. My mom was worried. She's worried about Delta variant, blah, 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 blah. But the interesting thing is the conversations I had, Chris, regarding vaccines. You and I are on television every single night doesn't mean that um, our families are going to do what we say. They're independent people. Uh, my mom, of course, gung-ho, sister, whatever. My nieces, they were, now that they are not anti-vaxxers by any means, they're not, it's not politically motivated, but they were, the urgency to get a vaccine just wasn't there for them. They didn't get it early on. And um, they were also saying, well, I don't know about the kids and what have you, but it was just interesting to hear their conversations regarding the vaccine, whether or not it was too quick. They were worried about what was going to happen if they got it and if they were going to have, you know, any repercussions from it or any side effects. But there was just they were living everyday life. And it's like, hey, I'm going to get it. I'm still wearing a mask and what have you. But they're also in a very red state. I don't know if that had to do anything to do with it. Maybe it was the messaging. Who knows? But it was certainly interesting to hear them after not seeing them for two years. I don't blame them. Uh, One, we conform to community. Mm -hmm. And what's happening around us is most likely going to affect how we feel about us. Also, I blame the Biden administration. I had Tony Fauci on tonight, Dr. Fauci. Um, They are not making the case to people like your cousins and nieces well enough. And they are not talking the approval talk. 49% of people who haven't had the vaccine say it being FDA approved would help them. Now, Fauci says, oh, it's just crossing the T's and dotting the I's. It's going to happen. But it hasn't. 
They don't talk about it. Biden doesn't talk about it. They don't have the FDA person out front talking about the process, when it's going to happen, why it hasn't happened, to reassure them. And I think that they are losing the messaging game, and it's a mistake. Yeah. Well, there is a lot to discuss uh, on all of this. And again, I think that we can um, we need to continue to do our parts. But there is, you know, something going on in the country out there. And again, this is not like CPAC with the people saying, oh, it's I'm going to do this and the Biden and all that's not. But there is, you know, not everyone has the urgency. Forty nine people are just ambivalent. Say about it. if it was FDA approved, mm-hmm. they would take it. Let me tell you where that comes in. Yeah. Your kids. Yeah. Let me tell you who's thinking twice about giving it to their kids. Me. Yeah. Why? Because I don't know. And I was going to take it no matter what. Why? I don't have the same risk profile for myself mm-hmm. that I do my kids. Mm-hmm. The 18-year-old got the vaccine. The 15-year-old, all right, we're going to do it. If that's what they want in school, fine. I'd like to know more about it. I'll be talking to the doctors in my life about what we know about it for kids. What are the risks? What aren't? If it were approved, would it make a difference to me? Yes, it would. And I know Tony Fauci very well. And that was a conversation in our house. A a lot of things. But I got to tell you, Mm. of all the fighting and and good and talks and discussions that we had and Mm -hmm. catching up, it was amazing to be with family. There's nothing like being with your family, even though they're reminds you why you are how you are. (laughs) And they let you know exactly who you are to them. Why haven't I seen Chris? Well, listen, I, you know, I always love to see your mother. She's a good lady. And I just hope that you were different when it comes to the wallet in that lunch than you were in the other lunch. Uh, Trust me, my wallet is hurting right now. Let me ask you something at home and I'm going to get out of here. Waitress walks up to somebody with a clipboard, yeah. starts talking to them. They reach in their pocket, give something to the waitress and walk away. What do you think they were talking about? What do you think they were having? I have no idea. I didn't I'll tell you, see, that's what Don Lemon said. I didn't see Don that Don Lemon happening. sees this happen. I did The woman not see walks away with my credit card. He goes like this. Wait, wait, what was that? Wait, <laughs> did he just, oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> see ya. I love you, D. Lemon. <laughs> like hey, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> did you just call me cheap? Never. <laughs> Get vaccinated, people. That's all I got to say. Despite the conversation that we had, we're talking real stuff, but get vaccinated. Thank you, brother. I'll see you later. I love you, too. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.